We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast, to the post-game show uh, for the FIU-Indiana game last night. Uh, Indiana won 34-13 in exciting fashion, um, scoring 22 points in the fourth quarter, shutting out um, FIU in the final stands as well, 22-0. We're joined by uh, co-host TJ Inman. I'm Sammy Jacobs. TJ, how are you? I am doing wonderful. The weather is very nice here. Uh, in Indiana, and uh, it's just a little bit of a you know, cool breeze, kind of a crispness in the air the past couple mornings, and it made you feel like, yes, football is finally here, and it was so nice to get to watch our Hoosiers back on the gridiron last night. A bit nervy there, uh, a little bit nervy for the better part of uh, better part of that game, but uh, just a wonderful fourth quarter that really just leaves you to have the imagination run wild on you. Uh, just a little bit with the possibilities for this team, but I, I don't think there can be any dispute that it was a rousing success for the defense um, in Tom Allen's first game as defensive coordinator. I, I, I agree, and, and I wish we had that cool breeze down here. I have never been so sweaty in my entire life um, in, in the humidity, but it, it, was, it was a game, it was a, kind of a weird game. It was a good game, and yeah. it was beyond the rousing success for Tom Allen's defense. And, and we saw the the videos of him on the sideline jumping up and down. And, and TJ, I was down on the sideline for the for the majority of the game. And, and you could hear in the huddle Tom Allen telling his team and telling his defense, hey, guys, you're playing well. You're doing well. Let's keep playing with fanatical effort, you know, excellent tackling. And that stuff that he's, you know, we've heard him preach since spring practice since he got here. You know, he still he has all this energy, and, and none of it is fake, um, which to me is amazing. The guy has so much energy and and really, um, you know, loves his guys on defense, and, and they play extremely hard for him. And it was great to see, um, you know, some of the fruits of their labor uh, come into play. Uh, two pick sixes, that hasn't happened in IU history since 1966. The first one by Richard Fant was an excellent play, 34-yard return, uh, made a nice move to make the quarterback miss. The second one sealed the game um, against, uh, it was T. Gray Scales from 16 yards out, and, and, and it was a nice play, just jumped the route and, and went right down the sideline as well. So, uh, you know, it, the, the biggest thing to me was the play of the defensive line. Uh, coming in, uh, you know, the defensive line was the weakness for this Indiana team. Uh, we didn't know what they would have up front. Uh, they were missing Ralph Green last night uh, due to suspension, but guys like Jacob Robinson, 
Kyle Sykes um, stepped up. A guy, Amari Stringer, who's uh, who hasn't played a lot yeah. of ball for IU, really played well last night as as well. I, I believe he had three tackles. Um, I'm looking at the stat sheet now. Yeah, he had three tackles. He said Nate Hoff played well with three tackles. Um, guys like Damian Willis played a lot. Khalil Bryant, uh, Tony Field saved a touchdown on that first play uh, on that first FIU drive, forced him to kick a field goal. It looked like I believe it was Johnny Smith, um, who had an excellent game as well, had a touchdown, and, and Tony Fields came in, raked the ball out, and mm-hmm. just did a phenomenal job there. And and, and that kind of, you know, told you that the defense is here to play. Maybe in past years they don't go after that ball; they give up on that play, and it's a touchdown. But you know, holding them to three on that opening drive after a few busts on on an option uh, from Marcelino Ball, who also had a terrific game. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he was the third leading tackler, um, as well. Yep. So uh, the, a lot to be excited about on defense, uh, but let's get to the offensive uh, side of the ball, TJ. It was kind of slow going, uh, at, at first, uh, you know, the defense accounted for 16 of the 34, uh, Indiana points, um, and, and Indiana scored 22 points late, late in the game in the fourth quarter. But to me, the mm-hmm. offense, they moved the ball. Well, they, they racked up 486 yards. Um, and, and that's not including the, the, you know, you don't get offensive yards for, for pick sixes. So maybe those short fields, you're looking at potentially 500 yards of offense, which is very good. But it, yeah. it seemed to me, and a lot of people pointed this out yesterday, every time IU would get a long first down, FIU player would go down. Um, and and I, I don't like criticizing guys for injuries. Look, if you're hurt, you're hurt. Um but it, it was an absurd amount of, of guys going down with cramps, especially as you said in your, your review for, for a team in South Florida who's used to playing in this heat. Man, a lot of guys went down for cramping. I really think that played a role in getting this offense and up-tempo offense going because, you know, you'd get a 12-yard run and then you couldn't go up-tempo and, and, and push it a little bit. Um, and, and it kind of got Indiana out of whack. Um, you know, and we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit, but you know you also saw Richard Legault come on the field. He he played it. I thought he played a, a very good game. He was a little amped up at the beginning. You saw him overthrow some balls uh, by a lot, but he led two touchdown drives late in the fourth quarter uh, to to give the Hoosiers the lead and to pad that lead. And that's something that that Indiana needs. So what, what's your take on the offense? Well, I think that you, you know, your point about the injuries or cramping or, um, you know, diving, whatever, whatever it ended up being, there were definitely some legitimate injuries. And then there were some that, you know, I mean, you see the guy kind of half stretching and he walks off the field and he's back the next play. It's like, okay, really? But uh, what that does is it really kept the game from getting any kind of rhythm. Um, and it, I, I do not think that that was the entirety of Indiana's offensive woes. Something that, that does need to be pointed out is that Indiana had multiple, you know, multiple times inside of uh, Oregon National Territory and drives would stall out because of false starts, um, particularly on third down. I think they had three false starts on third downs, um, which, you know, puts you from third and short or third and medium into third and long situations. Um, you, know, you, you can't have that in in a game that 
is against a better opposition. Um, so that's a, that's a minor for sure. I, I'm not real concerned about that, though. Uh, it's not something that no, Indiana has are, a history of. Yeah, those are fixable issues. First game jitters, yeah. maybe. I mean, you're starting a true freshman at tackle uh, in Koi Kronk. Um, and, and it's first game jitters. You're in a new, you know, new environment. You have a new co- quarterback, a new, um, you know, sna- I don't know if it's a new snap count, but you have a new voice calling it. And so maybe right. some of those false penalties are because of that. Uh, to me, the, the PA guy, every time it was on third down, as Legault is calling the play, is yelling it's third down. And, and you know, to me, I, if I were I was the quarterback, maybe that would, that would that would annoy me a little bit or, or whatever. But you know, those penalties are fixable. There weren't it, it wasn't a scheme issue that bogged them down. Um, but they they have to to fix this red zone um yeah. these scoring yeah. zone opportunities. They were inside the 10 three times. Uh, they they got a touchdown and a field goal out of it and a missed field goal. Uh, they you just can't do that. And as good as Griffin Oaks is, he missed a 22 I think a 22 yarder, 26 yarder last night and to me that you, you can't do that. You're you're the best kicker in the Big 10. You can't miss these chip shot field goals, um, and we'll see. And then you had a, another uh, missed field goal attempt that wasn't on Oaks, but, you know, you saw Mitchell Page mishandle a snap, uh, drop the snap. Yep. That took points potentially off the board. Um, and so you really got to – they really – you know, in the end it, it turned out well that the defense carried them, but when you start playing opponents in the Big Ten, playing Ohio State and Michigan's and Michigan State's, you got to get every point you can get, and um, you know special teams is a, is a big part of that. And uh, TJ, a guy we we forgot to uh, mention is, is Divine Redding. Divine Redding, uh, I thought had an awesome game last night. You know, yeah. he didn't break yeah, any the... huge runs, but he was very very solid. Uh, uh, he went for 135, a 6.1 yard uh, per carry average, which Coming into the season, I know we were both concerned about his run efficiency. He ran the ball efficiently last night on 22 carries, 135 yards, a long of only 19, but he pounded the ball. He, he made some guys miss, and, and maybe the reason he didn't break a couple of long ones is, you know, Florida International was playing that high safety to, to eliminate some of the big plays, but he he was a guy who ran the ball well. Mike Majette's another another player who ran the ball well and, and catching the ball out of the backfield. Majette was great. Fifth, two catches, 54 yards. He's really good on those screen passes. Um, yeah. So it, talk about those guys for a little, uh, a few minutes, a little bit. Yeah. The, the running back uh, carry distribution was something we had talked about, you know, being interested in seeing, and it's not going to be the same every week. And it's going to be different once Camion Patrick's integrated into the attack. Um, you know, you'll see it be a little bit different maybe once Tyron Nate is, is uh, healthy and ready to go. Um, he did not play last night. So, but last night the uh, the distribution was Redding with 22, Majette with 10, plus those two catches you mentioned. Uh, Devontae Williams with eight, Cole Guest with six. Mitchell Page had a carry on a, a nice play call, I thought, on a little reverse that he picked up first down on. And then Alex Rodriguez had the had the last carry of the game as IU was just running out the clock in the final minute. Uh, Clyde Newton did play. 
uh, on offense, but he did not get a carry. Shirt him in a, in a two-back set late. Um, and it looked like he was sort of acting as a fullback almost. But uh, so that was interesting. I thought Redding, like you said, he was very solid. Um, you know, you feel good about when he gets the ball, he's going to make a, something positive happen. He's going to get five, six, seven yards of carry. Uh, you feel pretty good about that. And he's shown that over a long enough period of time now where it, it's not a fluke. I mean, this is what you can expect from Divine Redding. Now, can you expect 6.1 yards of carry against top defenses? Well, no, I mean, that's unreasonable. But can you expect that against, you know, most opponents that Indiana plays, something similar to what we saw last night from him? Yeah, I think you can. Um, and on that, you know, the, the, what they ruled a fumble uh, for him, I I thought it was fairly clear to me watching the replay that he was down before that ball came out. But, you know, unfortunate it's a turnover. Uh, Indiana's only uh, only one of the night. But um, I I was impressed overall. Uh, with the way the offense responded to, you know, a pretty pretty scary situation. And you're you're away, you're starting with a, a new quarterback that doesn't have any experience at the FBS level as a starting quarterback. And in his first game, you enter the fourth quarter down by a point. Um, you know, that, that can – and you've really not seen things go right once you've had the ball – in FIU territory. So it, it was a little bit scary for me as a viewer. Um, I never felt like Indiana was going to lose the game, but it, it was right there to where, well, if they don't start making things happen, uh, it's, it's you know, they're in big trouble. And the offense did. They started to make things happen. It was a really nice, uh, I think it was a five-play drive to take the lead, followed by a, you know, on a, a touchdown that they score on a really nice call on a wheel route to Danny Friend that he was wide open on. It was wonderfully executed. Um, yes. And I, I, it was interesting that they uh, – we saw Richard Legault keep the ball twice in kind of read option scenarios with success both times. One time he gets it uh, gets for a positive gain of, I don't know, six or seven, something like that. And then the second time down near the – in the uh, end zone and, and gets in for a touchdown without being touched. Yeah, that that um, real option was play open all day. And, yes, yeah, um, it was. And, and, they were, and it's they really were one thing on that I want to mention, one thing I want to mention on that is that the offensive line did a really good job, as they almost always do, of getting down the field on those plays. Uh, they do a wonderful job of blocking up the field, not just at the point of attack, but really pushing the point of attack five and six yards down the field to allow Indiana to get, you know, whoever's carrying the ball to get some good yards before they even have to worry about being touched. Uh, I mean, ESPN's uh, broadcast did a pretty good job of showing a couple of uh, plays of Dan Feeney's that, um, and I think this is an indication that Dan Feeney is getting the national recognition he deserves because the crews, the broadcast crews are looking at him ahead of the game to know, okay, we need to find some highlights of this guy and, uh, and show what he does on the field. And that's always a good indication of who they view the stars on the team of or are. And uh, they showed a couple of examples last night of Dan Feeney getting almost acting as a versatile guy that, that happens to play guard, but he's, he's more than just an offensive lineman for this attack. He really blocks so well down the field. He moves so well for a guy his size. I mean, we know he's good, and last night was just another example of it. I thought that uh, Nick Westbrook had a nice game. Uh, Simi Cobb yes, he did. The game. 
Westbrook showed out well. He he really took that Simi Cobbs, you know, 10 to 12 yard out route. That was the most consistent pass play that Indiana had last night. Um, they just failed on it one time when Lego overshot it a bit, but that was nice. A couple of the concerns are going to be the finishing the drives. Uh, and then, you know, a lack of, it was interesting. I, I was writing, writing out some notes to prepare for the podcast. And in my head, I was thinking, you know, didn't have really a lot of big plays. And I go back and I look at the play log uh, and I mean, really it wasn't bad. I mean, they had a run of 19 for Redding, two receptions of 28, two of 26, one of 23 and one of 21. So that's, you know, one, two, three, five, so seven plays of 19 yards or more, you know, none of more than 28, but, and, and you'd like to see more, you know, big explosive plays for sure. But, you know, when you consider they ended up with nearly 500 yards of offense and didn't have any of those huge chunk plays, you know, I, I'm, I think that that's a positive. But I guess a pessimist could look at it and say they didn't have any real big explosive plays uh, last night. But overall, the offense was, I think, solid would be a, a good word to describe the offense. For the first three quarters, I'd say that they moved the ball well but shot themselves in the foot. For the fourth quarter, they stopped shooting themselves in the foot. And I think you saw that rotation, a lot of different receivers, a lot of different blockers from running backs getting in the game through the first three quarters. You saw it really pay off in the fourth quarter on those two scoring drives as Indiana leaned more on Divine Redding. Uh, to get the drives going and then finished it with some really good play calls and good execution from Richard Legault. So it, it was it was good to see that depth pay off. And I mean Indiana played a ton of guys last night. They really did. It was it was a full team effort. Um and that's that's something that good programs have to have. You have to rely on the bulk of your roster to get wins throughout the season because there's gonna be injuries. We saw one last night with uh, Jordan Fuchs, unfortunately, getting hurt. Uh, there, there's going to be suspensions. There's going to be, you know, guys that just aren't playing very well at that particular time or guys that their skill sets don't match up with the team you're playing. So you're going to need a lot of people. And Indiana did use a ton of bodies last night, and for the most part, I think almost everyone that was on the field had a positive impact on, on getting that win. Um, it's really nice to be able to say the offense was solid but not spectacular, and walk away with a 21-point victory. Yeah, I, I totally agree with your assessment on that. Um, you know, Nick Westbrook stepped up. IU was facing some adversity. You know, it's disappointing that Simi was suspended. Uh, we don't know the, mm-hmm. the official reason um, yet, but, he, you know, having him step up, you know, and they took away a lot of the passing games. You didn't see, you know, Mitchell Page had – no, you know, he didn't have a reception. I mean, he saw he did. Devontae he had, Williams he had, had one. Oh yeah, he no, had he had one, two, I two for twenty-nine. He had a big twenty-eight-yard reception and another yeah. one-yard reception. Then he had a screen pass. He had two, yeah, he had a screen yeah. bubble screen. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, Westbrook six for seventy, but Jet two for fifty-four, Timian mm-hmm. two for thirty-two, Page two for twenty-nine, Friend two for um, twenty-seven. Jones only had two catches for nine yards. They took away the passing game um, a little bit better than, than we expected because, 
you know, they had two new quarter, uh, corners, uh, but, you know, IU ran the ball pretty well, but they have to now get the, the, the passing game, uh, the passing game going. You got to, you know, figure out a way to get, you know, hopefully Simi's back on, um, you know, it's a one game suspension. So he should be back uh, for next week's game against Ball State. Uh, but, you know, you know, he was dealing with a hamstring injury in camp too. So they might want to uh, hold him out, but you know, who, who knows if he'll play. Um, does that mean Westbrook gets more time? You just become one guy deeper um, at that receiver yeah. position. And you got to get your playmakers the ball. And I think, you know, uh, uh, Lego did that and, and it was good to see uh, some other uh, notes that, you know, special teams to me, really got to get it together um you know you saw joseph gideon first career punt was a beautiful punt um absolutely beautiful you can't get any better than that it was out of bounds at the one no chance for a bounce into the end zone um you know no chance for a return great hang time um and it set up a safety but after that his punting was inconsistent at best i i know he dropped three inside the 20 but when you're punting you know, from the 50, you know, from the – between the 45-yard lines, you know, to me a good punt is, is inside the 15 or inside the 10. Uh, you know, that 20-yard yeah. line, if you put it out at the, the 14, you know, at the 18 or 19 or 20-yard line, it doesn't really do much for you. But, you know, he, he's shown the ability to do it. He's just got to be more consistent. A kick return, Devontae Williams had, I, I believe, four returns for 90 yards, um, which is okay, I, you know, as long as 26. Um, but they need to get something going there. To me, it's, you know, you, you see him hesitate and then dance a little bit coming out. Uh, to me, you got to hit hit holes and hit them quickly and explode through them. I, I think eventually we might see Cole Guest back there. Guest showed a lot of burst, um, and he's a guy who could get through the, the trash, as Wilson Wilson calls it, uh, break some arm tackles, and really burst through the hole. Um, so you know that that's an area where that there were, I don't think uh, their kickoffs had they had no touchbacks. Um, so no. you, you know they had they're counting the safety punt a free kick as a kickoff as well. So they have four kickoffs, four opportunities for a return to get the ball out and help this IU offense, and you know they they couldn't really do it. So that that to me is an area that we'll keep an eye on. It's been a, a an area of concern for a number of years now um, since they moved Tevin and and Stephen Houston graduated. Uh, from that kickoff return team. So, you know, we'll see where they go. It, it, overall, it was a, a very good win. Um, IU should be proud of this win. Uh, it, it was a game that the coaching staff was worried about uh, against a, a tricky team down at their place in the heat. Um, the weather was okay. It was a little windy, but uh, to come away with a win uh, like that to show that your defense is improved and and to you know now take it bottle it take it to the next game is going to be huge because if you could get through this non-conference schedule and Wake Forest and Ball State are not world beaters uh, you, you 
saw your you texted me last night that week one seven to three against Tulane. Um, so it, it's not like they're going up uh, against the the Colts and 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 uh, you know the the Houston Texans the next two weeks. They're, the, uh, Wake Forest and Ball State are manageable opponents. Um, and, you know, they should get out of this non-conference 3-0. and um, An update on, on Jordan Fuchs, uh, TJ. Uh, Wilson said after the game he had a dislocated ankle. Um, it yeah. may require surgery. I guess, there, you know, when you pop it back in, I don't know if you pop ankles back in, but whatever you do, whatever gross thing you do to fix it, um, you'll see if, if ligaments have torn. Uh, and if he needs yeah. surgery, the good news is he does have a red shirt year. This happened in the first quarter of the first game this year. So he's eligible for that. Um, if they have to red shirt him, they will. I think, I don't know the timeline for dislocated ankles, but I would figure it'd be somewhere between six and eight weeks, um, if not longer. So, you know, if you're not only going to have him for three or four games at the end of the year, might as well use that red shirt and, uh and save him for next year and, and really build, you know, have a guy ready to take over for Danny friend um, in yeah. the next couple of years. And, 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 and something we saw with that. Um, and I don't know if this, I think it was probably planned before Fuchs's injury, but um, we saw that Brandon Knight lined up at tight end uh, on more than one occasion while Coy Kronk took left tackle. Those two both played some left tackle last night. Uh, Coy Kronk got the, I would say, the majority of the snaps at that position, did very well. Um, they're, you know, we've mentioned, I mean, they're very high on him. And uh, it was obvious why last night. But in Brandon Knight, we saw last year he played some tight end. That was his introduction uh, to the roster as an extra blocker. And we saw um, – more of that last night it didn't occur very often but it did occur some and I, I think that that might be something they look at with Jordan Fuchs now being being out it increases the role for Ian Thomas it increases the role for Austin Doris who you know I know would love to have uh, that huge club he has on, on one of his arms off to help him catch the ball uh, but uh, for now I think you might see a little bit more Brandon Knight at tight end um but it's it's too bad for Fuchs, and we'll we'll talk more about that in the Ball State preview. I, I just I want to spend a couple of minutes uh, on the before we wrap up on kind of some defensive superlatives. I look back at uh, you know the 13 points at the fewest that IU has surrendered to an FBS opponent because uh, they had Indiana State to 10, but Indiana State we're not going to count it. We'll say an FBS opponent. Uh, the last time they held somebody to 13 was a 13-7 loss to Penn State in November of 2014. Uh, the 331 yards that IU held FIU to, again, against FBS opponents, that is the lowest since that same game. They held Penn State to 330. Um, it's the second lowest total since they hammered UMass back in September of 2012. The game that Trey Roberson, uh, Indiana killed him, but Trey Roberson uh, suffered a broken leg in that game. But and that was a I think that was UMass's first FBS home game. So this is an established FBS program that Indiana held to you know the fewest yards in at least the Kevin Wilson era. Uh, when you're if you want to talk about established FBS programs, and it was Tom Allen's first game at D coordinator. You know it's one game. We're not gonna you know, we're not gonna jump ahead and proclaim that you know it's gonna be a you know top five defense in the Big Ten, but. 
I, there's really no doubt to me the talent level is higher uh, on the defense than it has been. I think that the the personnel fits this system very well, and it's it's clear that they, number one, Tom Allen has these guys playing very, very hard. You saw it on multiple examples. Guys would not necessarily miss tackles, but a guy would get by them. Um, there were a couple where they missed tackles. I remember one distinctly, two distinctly. Sean Riggins missed on a tackle um, or missed on an assignment or something, and a play went to the other side of the field. He tracked the play down all the way across the field, still made the play. Another was Tigray Scales missed on a screen pass where he could have held the guy to like a yard or two. He missed on it, fell, trying to make the play, got back up, tackled the guy from behind after only a seven or eight yard gain. He was frustrated to give up the seven or eight yard gain, shaking his head, you know, clapping his hands a little bit. But he he still was able to fight back in and, you know, get up back up and make a play. And we saw a number of those examples last night. They played really hard. They were very physical. Um, and, you know, they, they forced those takeaways, which you're not going to see – Indiana score, you know, you might not see Indiana score 16 defensive points the rest of the season. That's very unexpected. It's rare, very welcome, but, you know, they can do it every game if they'd like to. I'd love to see it, but but I think what you will continue to see is Indiana's defense making plays. Uh, It's what they teach, it's what they practice, and they're very good at teaching and practicing it, and it's clear that Tom Allen has gotten through to these guys. They trust the system, they believe in this system, and they very clearly believe that they are capable of being a good defense. Now, whether they end up being good or just, you know, better than terrible, we're going to find out. I I mean, I, I'm trying not to get sucked in, but it's really hard to not be very, very encouraged and excited about what this defense could become. You get Ralph Green back, you get Chase Dutra back, you add them into a very young and improving core, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism. Um, certainly you have to be guarded a little bit. You can't get crazy. But there's reasons to think that this could be a, a solid defense for Indiana. And that's that's really scary to think about if you're, if you're Indiana's opponents because you've got quite a team to deal with and a real pest if Indiana has a solid defense to go with this offense. Yeah, it, you're exactly right. It's, you know – one, it's FIU. This is a team that, you know, isn't a national powerhouse in offense. They weren't great last year, but they were expected to have a very good, um, very good offense this year. They were expected to, to break the 400 yard per game, um, yeah. you know, mark this year for the first time in program history. They had Johnny Smith, who's, who's an NFL player. Um, they had, uh, you know, a couple other guys who were good. They shut down Thomas Owens. Uh, but yeah, it, overall, overall, I thought it was an, a, a great Indiana win um, to go down to, to Miami, come out with a win uh, like that is impressive. Uh, we'll see where, what they do next week. The next game is Saturday, September 10th at um, – against uh, Ball State at Memorial Stadium. It's the home opener. 
Uh, so we'll see uh, we'll see you at Memorial Stadium. We'll be there. The game's at four o'clock. Originally, it was slated at noon, um, but it is at um, it is scheduled for four o'clock now. Uh, so do mark that in your uh, calendars. Uh, if you have they moved that? Did they move that game because uh, ESPN News picked it up? Is that why it was moved time slots? Uh, it was always on ESPN News, um, but they just flipped it with um, they flipped it with a uh, with the Minnesota game against somebody. I, I don't know. I forgot who no. they were playing, but it was it was right. somebody. Uh, but they no, flipped it the game on ESPN. Clock. That's cool. Yeah, and um, you know, I have to say one one more thing, TJ. Before I know you have to go, but one more thing. I, a lot of fans were calling for for Diamant to play last night, and yeah, I I totally disagree with that. I know the offense is kind of bogged down. They had only put up twelve points, um, or three points. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, this if you pull Lego um, in that game down down a score, you, you're gonna you, you could potentially wreck this season. Uh, for him you're going to his confidence is going to be shot um, yeah. and all that stuff and, and to be honest they actually FIU was getting pressure on um, they were getting pressure on on uh, on Lego and a little bit who, who, who knows how how Xander handles that or whatever so I think Xander's going to play in a in, in a role in the red zone sure yes I think that's a place where he could help but replacing Lego he he wasn't playing poorly. He made one or two bad throws, which he should have made. There was one on a on an out route, which could have been a pick six. But yeah, um, you know, overall, I thought he played a very fine game, and and he can't take the he couldn't take that kid out of the game there. Um, in, in his no, first I, game, yeah. you got to give him a shot. Yeah, I under, I understand that. Uh, I I sent you a text message wondering does. Does Wilson give Diamant a series here to maybe change a pace or give a spark or whatever you want to say? And I, for that, I, I'm glad that they stayed with Lego for the reasons you just mentioned. But, you know, if it's a scenario where maybe, um, you know, maybe you're still down a point and the offense wasn't moving the ball in that fourth quarter, maybe those that first drive, they don't do anything in the fourth quarter, so they get the ball back to FIU down a point. Maybe you start to think about it, uh, but I, I'm, I'm glad that they stayed the course, and um, obviously the results speak for themselves. It turned around very quickly. Indiana was only down 13-12 to 12 for a matter of a couple of minutes, but the offense got them back out there and had a very nice drive, so that was good. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see what number one Indiana does against Ball State. We'll we'll preview that on I don't know Wednesday or something, whatever day we do the preview pod, and all week on the site. But I'm also interested to see what FIU does against Maryland next Saturday because they host the Terrapins. Uh, obviously, that'll be a common opponent, and you can't go like for like. But teams are different every week. But it will be interesting to see. Like you said, Thomas Owens. Uh, one catch, I mean, they totally shut him down. And Magoo, Indiana had him rattled. Uh, he was he was really moving around the pocket. He took some big hits. 
Indiana got a lot of good pressure, which I was very surprised by. It was uh, a stellar performance from the defensive line and the running game. I mean, FIU tried a couple of times, but really never got anything going on the ground, which is no, not a big surprise. Six, they they don't, had 63 yeah. net yards, and that was including yeah. that 23-yard run from Alex Gardner, or 27-yard yeah. run from, from Tony Gator on the um, – on the option pitch, uh, you take that one play out, and man, they shut that run game down. Twenty-one carries, three yards a carry, uh, and th- that was a big concern. And so it looks like the scheme is not, you know, it allows these guys to play freely. It doesn't look like they're thinking too much, um, and, and it was really good. Uh, TJ, I know you have to run. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday with our pregame show on Ball State. Uh, for those of you who are um, want to watch the Ball State game, they play against Georgia State uh, tonight Both on ESPN three. Yep, uh, they play on. Year, ES- so. It'll be a good test for them uh, down in the Georgia yep. Dome at uh, I believe the game's at seven o'clock. Um, so you know I'll I'll have that game on the TV uh, or iPad tonight and uh, enjoy the the weekend of college football and. Uh, our rap and reaction is now posted uh, and we'll have um, more coverage of the FIU IU game uh, this weekend. And then head is starting on ball state on Monday. Uh, TJ, thanks for joining. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, great to be on always really, really fun podcast right after a win. So uh, great start to the season. It's, you know, it's a long season, but it's, um, one win is you, know, you can't get two before you get to one. So the goal, I think you're kind of taking this in sort of two weeks spurts right now. Uh, first kind of segment is take care of business FIU and Ball State. Then you get your bye week, kind of regroup and figure out what's working really well and what's what needs tweak. And then uh, take on Wake Forest and then that you know get into the Big Ten. So. First part of that, mission accomplished. Uh, got a road win, which is never an easy proposition. I, I'm very pleased with the way things began. I'm very excited for, for uh, number one, for tomorrow's games to give us the first full day of college football, but mainly really excited for Indiana to uh, get back on the field this week in practice and then for us to see what looks different next week. And I, I'd love to just be chirpy to sleep because – uh, we've had enough of losing to those guys when we played them. I'm tired of that. Yeah, IU's lost the last three in the series, so it's about time they come back and and, and they owe Ball State a, a beating. So um, we'll, we'll be covering that. Uh, come back to HoosierHuddle.com. Check us out on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, we'll try to interact with you as much as possible, and, and we do apologize if the, the live tweeting was – off last night just you know I was down on the sideline there was no I, I didn't have wi-fi I had no computer uh up in the press box that that I could see more than half the field but I think we got through it but you know keep tweeting us let us know what you think and uh enjoy the weekend and we'll see you on Wednesday there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your Amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. 
With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.